So, you really want to know what women do, say and think the way that we do, huh? Well, fasten your seatbelts and let's get... She says what? Started with your host, Alan Newman Jr. Good evening. I hope everyone's doing good. Happy Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. Um, we're almost towards the end of the week. Of course, it is your host, Alan Newman Jr., for tonight's episode of She Said But. Um, before I get started, just want to let everyone know that um, if you're tuning in for the first time or if you're listening to the replay of this episode, um, basically this show is geared to help bridge the gap in communication between men and women. So this platform is for our female guests to come in and tell us how it really is raw and rugged from their perspective. Um, before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that um, you can dial in at 515-602-9647 to listen into the show. Um, if you want to actually come in and speak to myself or my host, just press the number one and we'll bring you online. If you have questions or comments and you are live streaming us on the He Said What Network, just type in your question or comment and we will read that across the air as well. Um, one brief reminder, we are currently running a promo special on Add the Commercials to the month of October. Um, inquiring on more information by sending your email to ads at he said what network.com. You can also subscribe to the network's YouTube channel by searching He Said What Network. Also follow us on Instagram at He Said What Network, or you can follow me as well on Instagram at Newman underscore junior underscore 2.0. Uh, without further ado, please, please give a round of applause for my lovely, lovely guest, Ms. Hera. Ms. Hera, thank you for being a part of She Said What. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. The pleasure How are is you? mine. Of course. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, we're almost towards the weekend. It's been a long week, so I'm I'm excited, ready, ready for my weekend to get started for you soon. Um, how about yourself? It's Wine Wednesday, so I have a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Hopefully this won't be too it. brutal. <laughs> no, no, this will definitely be a lot of fun, especially we, of course, um, what the topic is, um, communication, healing from childhood trauma. It is a loaded question that can definitely be dissected. Um, I'm interested and looking forward to the dialogue that we're going to have for this. So we're going to get right into it, Hera. Um, for you personally, have you ever... Do you currently have, let me put it like this, have, do you currently have childhood traumas that you've dealt with that are not resolved that you are still working with? Uh, I would say that there's a lot of trauma that I think, I think every person carries with them. And I don't know if I would say it's childhood trauma or like perhaps historical trauma in some way or societal trauma. Um, I'm a huge advocate for therapy, so I think it's one of those things where most people should be in therapy. I've been in therapy for at least mm-hmm. a decade <laughs> based on my adult mm-hmm. trauma. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I think, yeah, of course. Like, I think there's things that, that you know, happen to us as children um, that I, I wouldn't say that my childhood was such that, like, you know, I didn't have any childhood sexual abuse or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I think that there's generational trauma that we deal with, particularly as black people. And mm-hmm. for for me, a lot of it was manifested in like, you know, the trauma that your parents go through and what they think that you mm-hmm. need to know. Um, 
-hmm. And the way it sort of manifested for me was that uh, I was always taught, like, you know, if you're ever in a really dangerous situation with the police, for example, like, you know, crying is not an appropriate response. You're just supposed to, like, you know, just just say what's Mm -hmm. happening and keep it moving. And that ended up not working Mm -hmm. for me and backfiring hard. And I will say that it's not... It's not necessarily something that I think, I mean, I think many black parents probably raise their kids to be like, okay, you have to survive the situation. And a lot of the mm-hmm. lessons are based on things that maybe they experienced during the civil rights movement in, in the 60s and whatnot, right? But mm-hmm. those lessons don't necessarily translate well in this society, or perhaps our responses are such that, you know, white America or the people that we're typically dealing with in, 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 in the world they don't understand where the response is coming from. So I think a lot of us definitely have generational trauma that we're healing from and also things that we take into relationships as a result and trauma that we just see as kids by product of like moving through the world. Right. <laughs> like I feel like true. now we can't watch That's the true. news without being kind of traumatized. Right. That's a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, and that's why I kind of like this topic because like, you brought a very, very good point. It's something that we as people, uh, black people, definitely have to come to grips with and talk with. Um, and just like yourself, like with the childhood trauma, trauma, it can definitely be loaded because some people could possibly have had childhoods where they weren't really traumatized with stuff, but it's just baggage that was brought and put onto them that they carried as they get older um, compared to other mm-hmm. people. So I find it I find it kind of fascinating when we talk about childhood trauma, especially when it comes to the dating realm, especially when it comes to um, for men and women. I think more so for men as well, just because we do live in a society where uh, we was great boys were raised up and you had to be this strong masculine man. You couldn't be soft. You couldn't show feelings. Um, mm-hmm. You had to show that you were tough 24/7. And then in the dating world, that kind of spills over into that. Um, when you're trying to be tough 24-7 and the person you're trying to connect with is trying to get with the softer side of you, but because of how you've been raised and what you've carried over the years, it makes it difficult. Um, and the interesting part you just mentioned about therapy. Um, so it's funny when um, Bree, when we got in early and Bree was like, hey, I was expecting you to say it's an awesome week. Well, the funny thing is mm-hmm. this week I just um, finished, I had been for the past couple of days trying to narrow down a therapist um, due to oh, it was more awesome. of a reality check. Yeah, it, it was a reality check where I didn't really want to do it, but it was one of those, like, yo, something mm-hmm. has to change. Something has to give, um, especially what's happened with me and my family in last year. So this week had been searching for a therapist and still narrowing it down between five people. So it's been exhausting. Like, people don't realize the amount of research mm-hmm. and stuff you have to put in when you're trying to get a therapist. And I'm one that mm-hmm. quickly will tell um, men that you do need to advocate um, for therapy. You, you do need to get therapy because you don't know what baggage that you're bringing into a relationship. Um, I can, I can only yeah, use totally. myself for an example. Um, I remember when I first started dating in my early 20s, um, I dated someone who I had no clue she had been in an abusive relationship. So for her, she thought fighting and hitting was the go-to to get your point across. Um, I wasn't raised mm. off of that. I never saw my dad put his hands on my mom. I never saw her do the same thing. Never seen him yell at her. Never seen her yell at him. So when the young lady mm. hit me in the back of my head at a gas station, like I literally got out the car and I walked back to her apartment, got in my car and left. And I texted her, I was like, you do not have to worry about me ever again, point blank period. Um, it's just really disheartening 
because when you tell people stories like that, this generation is more like, I mean, if he's not a little bit of toxic, like something's wrong. And I'm just like, nah, if I'm toxic in a relationship, something's wrong with me and it needs to be addressed. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially in the black community, are like, oh, I don't need therapy. And I think everyone does. You know, I think if you go through any sort of trauma and you don't go to therapy, it's like basically deciding that you're not going to get a cast for a broken leg and then figuring, you know, why can't, why can't I walk straight? Like a few years later, it's like, mm-hmm. well, you're not walking right because your leg's still busted. Right. Exactly. And it's, it's so crazy because people don't realize like how not only does that affect you, it affects the person you're trying to be in a relationship with. And then if you have children, it affects the children that you are in a relationship uh-huh. with um, or that you bring into this world. So, it's, it's a loaded, loaded, loaded topic. Um, for those that are listening, please call in at 515-602-9647 and press the number one to come on the air, especially if you want to talk about probably your, your instances that have happened. I think when it comes to childhood trauma as well, Hera, um, mm-hmm. do you believe, and I, I truly believe this does kind of shape how men are very defensive as well, um, how much do you think child abuse has affected the men that you possibly have interacted with or dated with or seen from other friendships, interacted how they moved as adults in the dating realm based on their, if you ended up finding out that they were abused as a child or they dealt with some kind of traumatic experience? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. I mean, I, I don't know how much you've Googled me pre-show. I assume you probably did. Um, I, mm-hmm. I have probably one of the most, um, I don't know, I guess a lot of people have really bad relationships, but mine was like a bad lifetime movie. Um, I oh, got into a relationship okay. with a man and, uh, he lied about who he was. I didn't actually even know his real name. Um, and oh, wow. about two weeks after my son was born, he, I found out that he had probably killed two people one of his ex-girlfriends, the mother of his older son, and his own mother. And, uh, of course, this was terrifying because I had been essentially living with a serial killer. Um, And I went through 15 months of family court trying to keep my son away from him. Ended up, uh, he got got unsupervised visitation after about a year of supervised visitation, and he drowned my son on the fourth visit. And this is, yeah, like he murdered my kid. And um, so, of course, you know, I'm dealing with like pretty severe PTSD from that relationship and also, you know, all the things. And I've tried to unpack over the years. I mean, this was about a decade ago. And I tried to unpack Mm -hmm. like, you know, what creates a person like this, right? And I don't know a lot about his childhood. I've heard like bits and pieces, but I can only imagine, you know, I think it's, I think it's both nature and nurture, right? Like not everybody is born, mm-hmm. you know, to become a serial killer, right? But I, and, yeah. and, well, actually, I don't think anyone's born to become a serial killer. I definitely think they're born mm-hmm. with certain things in their DNA, perhaps. But I think that, yeah. you know, the condition that they've lived in certainly creates that. And the the sad reality is, you know, as I've been working I do a lot of work with like family court reform and advocating, you know, for the protection of children. And one of the things that I try to explain to people is I'm like, okay, even if you aren't in an abusive situation and your kid is not in an abusive situation, 
the reason that we should move to protect children, in particular in family court situations, is that you may not think it affects you until one day that that, that kid has been abused for 16 years and they're knocking on your door trying to take your kid to prom. Then all of a sudden it becomes your problem, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's impossible to live through a situation like that and not be affected. Yeah. And yeah, like I was affected as an adult and I can't even imagine what it would have been like, you know, had I grown up in a situation with someone like that. Um, because just the, just the, you know, the after effects that I've lived through as an adult, just trying to be normal again and not no, worry about all these things, you know, but imagine, imagine like that's your normal as a kid, you know, like imagine if that's what you thought was normal, somebody who is completely psychotic. Mhm 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 yeah that that can definitely leave some scars big big scars um that definitely take time to heal um especially with that cuz that that is something that unfortunately a lot of people deal with more than i think is mentioned if we be honest a mm-hmm. lot of people are um quick to kind of bury that kind of trauma um mm-hmm. and and it's understandable cuz when you have that kind of trauma, the amount of trust that you have to have with the individual that you're possibly talking to has to take time to build because it's so funny. Like, for me, I tell everybody I'm an open book. Like, you ask me anything, Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you. But it took me time to learn that just because I'm like that doesn't mean other people are like that because, like I said, things that I could have considered, I couldn't consider, oh, well, my parents talked rough to me and that was traumatizing, and someone else is probably like, wait, that's what you consider trauma? This is what I'm dealing with. This is is what I'm unpacking. And it could literally be like, son. We don't give enough thought to the trauma and the toxicity that can come from religion too. And I know this is probably really, you know, controversial, but I think one of the things that kept me in that relationship longer than I should have been in that relationship is that when I found out I was pregnant, you know, the, the church is telling you, well, you've got to stay with the father now. Right. And and that's, and that's, (laughs) you know, that's, that's not always the best situation for anyone involved. Right. Like there's a lot of families Mm -hmm. where you look at it and you're just like, okay, these two people might be better parents apart <laughs> than they are together. And I need people to stop thinking that it's a sin to recognize that you need to protect your child and leave. And also not be afraid of the stigma that comes with being a single parent. Because, you know, if I could go back to my like then 29 year old self and just, I would slap her mm-hmm. and I would be like, you know, look at all these things that are happening. Like you need to get the F out before your kid is born. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I didn't it, even it, know the half of it while I was still with him. But, like, you know, I mm-hmm. there were things that definitely seemed off. But I was like, oh, no, I, you know, I don't want to be a single parent or, you know, I want my kid to have a father. And, you know, look what ends up happening. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's <laughs> amazing with you. And I appreciate you here being so transparent because I'm a PK. So you are preaching to the choir. I have seen. Time and 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 time again, where we've had special black women are stuck in relationships and stuck in marriages because their pastor or first lady or someone mm-hmm. in the church is like, if you leave him, it's a sin, and you just sit through it. Or if you sat there and did this, this would happen. God will make a way. 
and literally, literally, she's being beaten like a drum, and you're literally telling her God's going to make a way. Like, when, mm-hmm. whew, and I know I have a lot of church friends that listen here, so I know they're already going to be like, wait a minute. I, like, I literally mm-hmm. feel like that is one of the worst things that we deal with when it comes to church, especially for black people and for black women in general, because we literally guilt trip them mm-hmm. into staying in an abusive and toxic relationships just to say, well, I did it the right way and I stayed married when you are literally mm-hmm. dying inside and your children are being affected. Like, I'm Right, and then the cycle you. continues, right? Because then your kid, is, you gotta, you got to basically unteach what your kid has learned. Your kid has seen this toxic mm-hmm. relationship, and then you're surprised when they get into a toxic relationship. It's like, no, it should be no shock to anyone. But I definitely think, you know, it's funny because it's like, oh, you know, why people think God is telling them to stay in the relationship. I mean, God's probably sitting there like, I'm giving you all the tools to leave. <laughs> I don't know why you're not taking it. I, I think the biggest, and it's, it's so funny, that was actually one of the main reasons, like, I was so cautious about, yo, I don't really want to be active and slip up and have a kid, because I always remember in the back of my mind, everyone was like, and I remember when my dad said it, like, many years ago when I was, like, seven, I think I was, like, 17. My dad was like, yo, if you get her pregnant, whether you liked her or not, you stuck with her. And that terrified me because I literally was like, mm-hmm. yo, what if this happens? And it's literally one of those bit bam, thank you, ma'am. Okay, bye. She pops up pregnant. And now I got to sit there and deal with that. And I think the best thing, words my dad said um, prior to him passing, um, he had talked to our singles and he was like, look, he was like, if they're beating you mentally or physically, emotionally, I am not about to tell you to stay in there. He said the worst thing we've said in the church is telling single people who have kids that are living with someone abusive is to stay with them. He's like, that is definitely not right. That is definitely wrong. And I feel like that has helped a lot of people. Um, and it's probably had a lot of people have to relook how they look at um, things. Because the funny thing is, if you be honest, sometimes as a child, the church can, be, can traumatize you as a child especially when it comes to dating and stuff like that because of what people say and how people kind of indoctrinate their belief onto you about certain things. And you don't realize that until you get older, especially when you start dating and you start realizing, because I noticed that when I started dating, like there were certain things I would be saying and people would be looking at me weird and I'd be looking at them weird. And then I looked up like, you know what, actually that does sound kind of weird that I'm sitting here saying this is what I expect out of you when that's not something that everyone should be required to do, if I'm making sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, really, it's really crazy when it comes to that. Now, I know you talked about um, therapy. Um, mm-hmm. in, the, in the dating world, I, I know for me I'm big now that I let people know that um, I definitely plan on, um, if I get married and have kids, I want to have a therapist for me and whoever I marry. And I want a therapist for my kids that they can trust and talk to um, when they see fit. Um, when it comes to dating, do you ever think of or have you ever asked a potential um, partner, like, if they get therapy or what their thoughts are on therapy? And if so, kind of what was, their, what was their take from it, from their response? I mean, I do because I feel like if I've worked on myself, I expect my partner to also work on himself, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I get varying exactly. reactions from men, especially in the black community. They're like, oh, good. Or like they'll say that they are, and I, and I can tell that they're not. Um, mm-hmm. huh, I think I also advocate for relationship therapy. 
especially if people are headed towards marriage, because I was in one relationship where the guy was talking about marriage and I was like, not really sure I wanted to be married. And my situation was complicated because I had my own child at that point and I am a proud single mother by choice. So I was like, you know, I don't know if I want my kid to be adopted by this person. And he was saying all those things and our relationship just wasn't working that well. I mean, it was fine. He wasn't abusive or anything. This is like post crazy ass, right? But there were still some things I felt like we both wanted different things out of a relationship, right? And Mm -hmm. I had mentioned to him, I was like, you know, if we, if we go down that path of getting or or thinking about getting married, I I think we should go to a counselor, a therapist. And he was not Mm -hmm. about it. And I think it's because he was dealing with his own demons and maybe he was worried that we would go into therapy and he would have to deal with that. But I guess for me, like, I, I kind of look at emotional health similar to financial health, right? And so if you're getting to a a relationship, like you don't want to be with somebody who's not your equal all around. And if you're working on yourself, which everyone should be, why would you want to be with somebody who's not working on themselves? Like I'm certainly not going to judge anyone for past trauma because I certainly have my own share of it, right? (laughs) And probably like, like maybe like some of the most traumatic that many people have heard, but I think it's, it's less, that it happened and more what are you doing about it after it happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because i can say for sure a decade ago after all that happened i was not in any like i had no business being in a relationship like i couldn't even (laughs) i mean it just it was i was a mess and i've done Mm -hmm. a lot of work since then and i still you know going into relationships i have to be very transparent the person about what I'm dealing with so that they're not yeah. thinking that my reaction so that they understand my reactions to certain things. And I think everyone should mm-hmm. know themselves well enough for that. And the, really the only way you can is to go to a therapist. That is so true. That is so true. And I, I it's, it's good to hear someone else who feels the same way when it comes um, to therapy, especially um, when dating. Cause I don't think people I've always said when it comes to dating, like it's like levels to it. So it's like, if you started dating early and you keep adding every time you're dating and whatever trauma is compound onto it, it's adding on top of it, adding on top of it, <laughs> yeah. adding on top of it. And it's literally like you're building a seven-layer cake and you're never getting to the bottom of the original trauma. Because um, I remember I had learned at a very early age when it came to dating, like if something negatively did affect that relationship and you split up, you need to sit down and take a minute, take a breath, mm-hmm. figure out what went wrong with that relationship, whether it was you or not you, just figure mm-hmm. out what went wrong and what not to do in the next relationship. And I feel like especially in yeah, today's totally. society, a lot of people don't take take that um, initiative. It's like, okay, let me see who's the next person I can get, which ultimately I feel like that is why a lot of people now are just like, you know what, I'm good by myself. Um, if I can find mm-hmm. someone to sleep with that's consistent and they don't do nothing crazy, that's fine. But I'm I'm fine not <laughs> being married. Fine not being. <laughs> yeah, you know, like literally, like I don't have to I don't have to be married. You know, I don't need a boyfriend. I don't need a girlfriend. Just be here when I call you. That's it. And then I get out of myself, out of my face. Which I can see where like it's protecting you, but I'm still like it does suck if you're not getting that proper companion that you're looking for, especially if you're looking for somebody who is based on you. Like, my love love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. Like, I'm a cuddler. I'm touchy-feely. Like, if you meet me in person, once I get to know you, I'm one of those. I'm constantly – I have to touch you some ways. Like, very reassuring for me. So it's 
for me mm-hmm. to have like sneaky links and like all these side pieces, whatever, for me, it's really weird because it's like I can't get the bond that I would want out of a true relationship because I'm keeping you at a distance. Um, yeah. For me. So now, do you also for, require for that, that from a relationship? Like, do you ask, you know, do you ask your partners whether or not they're going to therapy and actually hold them to it? Yes. Yes. I actually have, like, literally, I've been like, hey, are you going to do therapy? What is, because one thing I ask, do you do therapy? What is your thoughts on therapy? And then for me, I always look at dating with, for me, intent to to be married. I do want to be married, never been married. That's how I kind of look at it with the dating world. And so I do ask those questions. Mm -hmm. And then um, once they answer that, my next question is, so how do you feel about um, pre-marriage counseling? Okay, that's cool. Okay, what about counseling when we get mm-hmm. married? And I've had some people like, wait, why you got – so I was like, we still got to work, continue to building because even once we get married, we're constantly changing. Things are always affecting us through life. Mm-hmm. I was like, you still probably need to have an outlet where you have someone that you can sit down and be like, hey, doc, this is how I'm feeling. Um, what do I need to do to better myself? What do I do, need to do to make my wife um, – be comfortable and happy, and then ultimately what I can do to keep myself happy as well. Because um, sometimes mm-hmm. you don't – some demons we hide and completely forget mm-hmm. about until something but happens. But I also think a lot of people aren't very a – lot, a lot of people aren't very introspective, right? And I see That's this a lot. Like I'm a, I'm a manager in the, tech com- in the tech field, and a lot of the okay. questions that I ask candidates that come in are like, when's the last time you received feedback? And what did you do moving forward to, like, change your behavior as a result of the feedback? And the reason I ask this question is not to, like, you know, hear about someone's, like, negative feedback. It's basically, like, I want to hear what someone said to you, and I want to know that you were introspective enough to think about it and then find Mm -hmm. ways that you could improve based on the feedback, right? And so Mm -hmm. a lot of candidates actually really bomb this one, and they'll try to think of, like, a time when someone gave them praise, and I'm like, yeah, that's not really the question at all, right? (laughs) And so I think the same thing comes for relationships. I think that, for me at least, I want to know that the person is very introspective so that if I give them feedback, and feedback can be, like, in many forms. It can be, like, something you need that they're not doing, right, or something that they're doing Mm -hmm. that's, like, triggering you, right? And I think sometimes people can be really defensive when it comes to feedback, and really defensive when it comes to certain things. And part of the reason that they are defensive is they're not recognizing when they're triggered because of their previous Mm -hmm. trauma. And the only reason, the only way you can really understand what's going on with you is to talk to somebody who has experience in unpacking that because you may not even Mm -hmm. recognize that what you've experienced has been traumatic. For example, when I've worked with kids who have been through traumatic experiences, I may ask them something like, was your parent abusive? And their first reaction is like, well, no, my parent was just strict. And then when you start unpacking it and you're like, well, did your parent throw you against the wall and split your head open and then not bring you to the hospital because they didn't want to get in trouble? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that Mm -hmm. did happen. Right? And then you have to point out to them, Mm -hmm. that's abusive. That's not strict. That's abusive. And so I think a lot of people are walking around with this trauma that they don't recognize that they have, and they are reacting in relationships to that trauma And they're not recognized when they're triggered. So for me, one big thing that I have worked on in therapy is like recognizing the feeling that you get when you're being triggered and you actually have like an anatomical response to it. Right. And sometimes Mm -hmm. like when you're first, when it's first happening, you may not recognize what is triggering you. And that can be really problematic because if you're not recognizing it, you blow up before you've even 
like internalize what's happening and the other person is like what the hell this person's crazy right exactly exactly <laughs> um it's, it's and it so can true. manifest itself in business in relationships like you know romantic ones and also on friendship levels and so i think everyone just really needs to go to therapy and make sure that they understand themselves exactly very very true very true and um we have uh, about three minutes um, here before we go to our um, mid-show uh, mid break, um, but you are completely correct. Um, for those that are listening, as you can tell, um, when it comes to trauma, therapy is probably one of the best, if not the best option to take. Um, I do know that for a lot of people it could be a challenging topic um, to bring up because sometimes some people look at and and this comes from someone who don't really have too many traumatic experiences at a young age, but I had always had a missed um, notion of, like, therapy being bad because, like, oh, my God, they're going to say I'm crazy or I need to do this or I need to take pills and this and this and that. And sometimes that mm-hmm. can be the the factor that causes people not to get counseling, especially if you don't do research, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have friends um, that have had therapy. That was the biggest thing that mm-hmm. helped me make the decision I made this week um, to get a therapist. I've reached out to a couple of friends that I had no clue was seeing a therapist. And one friend was like, Alan, I go to a therapist every other week. They talk, I talk to them every other week. They was like, it's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. it. He was like, you don't even have to talk to them about a specific trauma. You just might want to get some stuff off your chest that you can't talk to other people about, but you know they'll hold it for you. Um, mm-hmm. And when I heard also, that. And finding a black people, therapist mm-hmm. is so hard. <laughs> If you want a black therapist, it's, like, really hard. I mean, I live in D.C. It's, like, Chocolate City here. And it's still hard to find a black therapist, which, like, I mean, I don't know. If one plug for, like, young people in education, please go into therapy, Mm -hmm. especially if you're black, because we need you. Yes. And the funny thing before we go to the commercial break is I'm actually going back to school in January because my dream had always been to be a therapist. For, um, nice. I'm telling you, you can break in the kids. box. <laughs> you don't even have that, to take insurance. Like, you know, I, I literally, I literally, matter of fact, when I was doing my research for Florida for therapists, for the Orlando, I counted seven black therapists. Seven. That's nuts. And think about how many people are in that area, else, you know? like Exactly. And everybody else is white. Everybody else is white. It is 8.30, though, so we'll hold, we'll hold that break. Um, we'll hold that hair. We're going to go to a commercial break real quick, and then we'll come back and we'll continue talking about communication, healing, and childhood trauma with my lovely guest, Hera, and we'll pick back up off of the therapy. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes. What's up? This one, Mike from Simply Sports, and you're tuned in to the He Said What Radio Network. <laughs> Delisa was eight years old, she was sexually abused. Seduced by salacious on Sandra, it left her confused. The devil danced inside her mind, she ain't know how to feel. Her mind was shuffling like cards, she ain't know how to deal. At the family reunion, she would revisit vivid visions of the past. Paint a picture clearer, praying, read some scriptures. Folks ask what's wrong, she would lie and say it's nothing. When invariably, see very much needed clarity and discussion. Wish the world cared about little girls more and stopped slamming doors on issues that end up leaking tears on tissues. This is sentimental. Screaming loud, feel the pain, since rebuke. But no matter what you do, demons keep creeping on mute. Why? Why? 
the church, Delisa finally told her, Mom, what happened? She said, you imagining things. She walked away and was laughing. She couldn't believe her own mama couldn't believe. That broke her down on her knees. Anger the love that she needs. She felt betrayal in the sea like Judas left Jesus to bleed. She was acting different, felt like she was distant. Multiplied by the distance, I just wish I would have listened. I-, I saw melancholy melanin. A closet with a skeleton. Some evidence of some medicine. Thought her savior was a sedative. Wish the world cared about little girls more. And stopped slamming doors on issues that end up leaking tears on tissues. This is sentimental. Screaming loud, feel the pain, since rebuke. But no matter what you do, demons keep creeping on mute. People of Color begins with support by people of color. Introducing Melanin People. Melanin People is a new innovative new social media platform people of color from all around the world. It's a place for us to interact, showcase our talents, express our passions, share our cultures, and do business, both locally and internationally. Download the Melanin People mobile app now, connecting people of color. Ah, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to She Said What. Of course, it's your host, Alan Newman Jr. We are having an amazing conversation with Tara, talking about communication, healing from childhood trauma. The song that you were listening to was Blood Ain't Thicker Than Water by Chris Davis, Mr. Foster, Will, and Ms. Ferris. Um, Tara, before we piggyback off um, on what we were talking about, I actually just had someone come in with a question, a very interesting question, and I didn't even really think about it until they said it. Um, since we're talking about um, dealing with childhood trauma, like what do you do or how, and even if you haven't kind of, this is one of those hypotheticals, even Mm -hmm. if if you haven't dealt with it, but how do Mm -hmm. you handle a significant other who's addicted to porn? Because you have some people Mm -hmm. that are addicted, get introduced to porn at a young age, um, and then it kind of becomes a domino effect and becomes a big part of their life. Like, how do you handle that, or how would you handle that? I think, I mean, again, go back to therapy, right? Like, you have to ask the question, Mm -hmm. why? Um, And I think it's the same, like, whether it's, like, a porn addiction or, like, you know, any type of addiction, right? Like, alcohol or drugs or whatever. There's probably something there at the root cause of, you know, root cause of that addiction. And 
I think, again, it's like, you know, is your partner introspective enough or willing to take feedback? And I think there comes a time where sometimes with any sort of addiction, you have to let the person hit rock bottom before Mm -hmm. there's anything, you know, any progress that can be made. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we also don't recognize how we enable certain behaviors in relationships. And I think women do this often, like, you know, we just, we think we have to stay to take care of this person, right? And we don't Boom. think about, we don't realize that we, be, we may be enabling that behavior by staying. And I think, you know, we, we, we think so often about how ultimatums are a bad thing. But I think sometimes mm-hmm. you have to be like, look, if this doesn't stop, I'm out. And, you know, be willing to walk the F out if the person's not willing yeah. to get help. You know, and, and yeah, there may be somebody out there willing to put up with that. And if that's the case, like more power to them. Right. But I always tell people, it's like, if you're unhappy in your situation, you can't like, you can't fix someone. The person has to be willing to fix themselves. You can definitely stand by and support them if they're willing to go through therapy for that, but they're not willing to go through therapy and fix it. And it's bothering you. It's something that like, you know, is something that you can't get past. And there's a lot of people out there, right? (laughs) Find someone else. That very very true. I mean, dating is so open right now um, that it's valid. Like sometimes I've noticed some people have stayed in relationships. Oh, because I don't want to be myself. I may not find another person. And then you're just like, but literally this person is beating you down every single day. And it's just amazing because I remember at a young age I used to always been be like, I'll never be that person that'll stay with someone who's abusive, and I'll never be that person. Mm-hmm. And then as you get older, you're like, you don't know what you'll do yeah. until you're in that situation. Which also for me, like I'm very, I'm a very analytical thinker, and sometimes I overthink. So when it comes to dating, that mm-hmm. is one thing I'm always thinking. I'm like, yo, well, what if this happens? How am I going to handle this? What if this happens? How am I going to handle this? Like, because you don't know. Like, you can say to your blue in the face that you won't accept this and you won't deal with that, and then you get into that mm-hmm. situation, and lo and behold, you can't cut away from it. Um, and it, it really sucks, mm-hmm. especially when you look at us as black people, because a lot of us do run into those situations. Um, you have a lot of black women, unfortunately, that stay in a relationship just because they don't want to be alone and they feel like they may not be, quote, unquote, um, worthy enough for another for another person to accept them, um, especially when it comes to like our single mothers and women who've been divorced. Like people are quick to say, well, you you may not be able to get somebody else and da 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 da. Um, with that, I don't know if it's I'm that though, um, because like I don't think mm-hmm. that you know when I was in an abusive relationship, I don't, I didn't. I mean, my self esteem was intact. Like I knew I could, I knew I was an mm-hmm. attractive person who could like find someone else. I think part of mm-hmm. it is that we are raised to be caretakers. And particularly black women, like, I think society expects us to always give out, but never expect anything in return. Mm -hmm. And it's that trope of, like, you know, the strong black woman, like, you're supposed to, you know, stand up for your men and not necessarily expect anything in return. And so when it's happening Mm -hmm. to us, like, oftentimes, like, tell people, I'm like, abusers don't come up to you and punch you in the face when they're first meeting you, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, that's not how it works, Mm -hmm. right? This person is insidious, you know, they, they make you fall in love with them. And these things don't come out until you're already attached and bonded to this person. And so many abusers, you know, they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry, or I'm going through depression. I think my ex at one point said he had a mild stroke, like complete BS, right? But it was like on the heels of trying to kill me, right? And here I am, like, here's this person, like the father of my kid, 
And I'm like, he's dying. And, you know, when I should have been thinking about myself and protecting my kid and myself, I had a part Mm -hmm. of me that was like, I can't be that person that leaves this person when they're going through this, you know, health crisis or whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. No, I get it. I get it. Um, and actually, um, here, we actually have a guest who has a question for you. Um, I'm going to read it out to you. Um, and for those who want to um, send any questions or comment, you can dial 515-602-9647 and press the number one. Or if you're listening on our He Said What uh, network online, you can type in your questions and comments and we'll read it. Um, so from this listener, um, here, uh, first and foremost, my mm-hmm. condolences on her experience with her child and ex facing such a traumatic situation as an adult like this. How strong was her support system outside of the therapy and counseling sessions from family and friends? How did you find the strength to mm-hmm. date again? Uh, I would say I am extremely lucky because I have a really strong village of people. I mean, I had several friends show up to the hospital and my son died, and they are just my ride-or-die people. And mm-hmm. my family also really strong and really supportive. Uh, and but But I think... I think the reason why I will say, in addition to my family and my community, I was able to survive is, like, really sometimes you need a therapist because everybody in my life, they were also in mourning and traumatized by what happened, right? Because when, you know, when a child dies, like, that doesn't just affect the mom. Like, yeah, I definitely felt like I was the closest to my son, but the ripple effect went through my life. Like, people who were close to me were also close to him. And so it's really hard to get the support that you need in a holistic way from people who are also going through trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, residual trauma from what you're dealing with. So I definitely think I was able to rely on my village, but I think one thing I would tell people is try, when you go through a traumatic situation, try to understand that you can't, you, you also can't tax your village. <laughs> like there's yeah, a, there's true. a, I remember one of my friends told me she was, she was meeting her husband right around the time that my son died. And a couple of years mm-hmm. afterwards, we met up and she was like, you know, one thing I will say about you is that one of the reasons we're so close is that like when you were going through your hardest time and we would meet up, you still had the ability to turn around and ask me how I was doing and find joy and like be excited for me even when things weren't going well for you. And I really appreciated that because I was like, you know what, that's something I pride myself on because I'm like, you know, if you can't show out for your friends and be excited for your friends, even when you're going through a miserable time, like you can't, you can't expect them to like do that for you when, when you're having joyous moments or whatnot. And it also, for Mm -hmm. me, like for me, it was an escape, you know, I was like, let's talk about you. than what I'm going through right now. So, like, I don't want to keep – and and so part of it was also, like, I didn't want to tax them with the burden of yeah. always being depressing when I was around them, you know. So, yeah, I would certainly update them on what was happening, and they cared about me, and we talked about it. But at a point, I was like, I'm done. Like, I want to talk about you, and I want to be excited about this new guy that you're seeing. Exactly, exactly. I feel you so much with that statement. I definitely feel you. That It's amazing to have a support system. Um, like that, mm-hmm. um, and actually, pick even piggyback piggybacking off of their question um, with the support system. Um, how, ugh, God, how important do you think it actually is to have a separate support system when dating? So, of course, you know when you're dating, of course, you want to be mm-hmm. the support system for your significant other. 
but you also have your support system mm-hmm. as well. Do you think it's important that you know that your significant other has their own support system? Because I know sometimes you can yes. have a support system, yes. but your, your partner doesn't have one. <laughs> so my thing is like, okay, like you want your person, right? But your person mm-hmm. can't always be your everything, especially when there's situations that yes. – you really shouldn't be the person that they confide in. I mean, I know that sounds exactly. messed up because, like, you, you expect, like, oh, this is my person. I can share everything with them. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, there's some things that you need them to talk to their boys about, right? <laughs> that part. Especially when it comes <laughs> to, like, you know, and, and you don't necessarily want them, like, oversharing details of your relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the yeah. same time, I think there's definitely some things that, are super important for that person to have their own support system so that they're not overtaxing their partner as well. Like I, I went out with this one guy and I was asking him about his friends because I think friends are super important. And he's like, Oh, well, I don't have many guy friends because they're always trying to steal my girl. And I'm like, Whoa, so many red flags here. (laughs) Exactly. One of the questions, like, first of all, why are these guys trying to steal your girl? And what is it about you that's making these girls want to come to your friends instead of you? But I think that, you know, if someone doesn't have friends, that's also a really big red flag because you want the person that you're with to be liked enough to have people that are in their lives that are just friends of theirs. Exactly. Big, big it's red also stressful, flag. That's why right? Know- like, you don't want to be that person that's always having to, you know, I don't know. I just, I feel like one person can't be your everything. That who you are preaching to the choir, Harry? Because I've always felt like that, <laughs> and I always felt like it was bad that I felt that way. Because um, I was always like, no, because it's that... just like. No, go ahead, Eric. I mean, you can think about family relationships, right? Like you have a relationship with your parents, and you can't tell your parents everything. You can't tell your sibling everything. Like there's you, you know, there's just like there's certain people that you go to for certain things. And I just think, you know, especially, like, especially if you're going through a hard time, you can't tax one person with that burden. And you also, you know, similar to the reason why in business we can't hire all white people to, like, work on technology because there's a lot of blind spots there, right? So if you just use that one person for perspective, you're not getting a holistic perspective and you're you're probably missing a lot of things. And then whatever you're asking that person is not going to go well. And then you're going to blame that person and have resentment. It's just, it's not a good situation. Exactly. So it's very interesting because I've I've literally told people, like, I'm a firm believer in self-care. Even in a relationship, you need to take time for yourself. Go on vacation by yourself. Hang out with your homeboys by yourself. It always tickles Mm -hmm. me. And I hear this more from women. It always tickles me when I hear women like, yeah, I don't deal with other women because I don't trust them. I'm just like, wait. What? Mm-hmm. So you don't Red flag. I'm like, like no. <laughs> That's a treacherous woman right there. Like, that you never trust a woman that doesn't have girlfriends. Like, no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, you don't have... I not trust a guy that has guy friends. Like, you should want, I want the guy that I'm with to want to go out with his boys every once in a while. Like, I also think it's one of those things where in a relationship, if you've got somebody who's super clingy and doesn't have a life of their own, like, no, I don't want him going and straying and, like, having sex with other women. But, like, if he's going to go watch football, frankly, I'd rather him go watch football with his boys than, than like, require me to sit there and watch it with him. Exactly. Like, I'm, like, one of those, like, you know, babe, you can, like, 
go with your homegirls, have a spa day, relax. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm good. So it's, it's mm-hmm. really refreshing to hear that because sometimes I think people want to consume themselves with their partner and completely mm-hmm. miss out on life and other opportunities because they're fully focused on focused on their partner. So that is, whew, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling that and right they expect, there. I'm I think feeling that. They expect the partner to be waiting around and available all the time, which is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got two kids. I'm a single mom. And, like, you know, I can't date somebody who requires that level of, like, constant attention. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I want – the person to to know that I care about them and and whatnot, but I need them to also have their own life. <laughs> exactly. Nope. I understand that completely, and I definitely agree with you 120 percent. 120 percent error. So I definitely like that perspective for you. Um, and before guys, we come towards as we're coming to the conclusion of the show. Um, and before I give the floor to Hera so she can give us information where we can follow her and support her in her endeavors, um, final question. Um, when it comes, since you're a single mother, I feel like this is a perfect question since we're mm-hmm. talking about childhood traumas. Um, how, when it comes to dealing with the traumas that your kids deal with on a daily basis, like, do you set time to actually sit them down and talk to them about their traumas or kind of see where they're at? Mm-hmm. Or do you kind of give them space to come to you when they feel comfortable enough to come to you when it comes to that? Hmm, that's a good question. And I know they could, and they, and so, I, and I know they could be little ones, so it's definitely, definitely different when you have little ones and then you have older ones as well. So I have, a, I have an almost three-year-old and an almost eight-year-old. My older daughter is going to be eight okay. on Saturday. And so I definitely okay. think the older child, you know, we have conversations. I think sometimes I force them, you know, on the ride to school. I'll be like, so, what's happening in class? <laughs> like, I know that, like, kids can get mean around third grade. So I'm like, are there mean girls, you know? And I know that there are certain things that I have to ask. But I also hope I'm the type of parent that they can come to me with how they're feeling. I mean, mm-hmm. I think sometimes I worry because I'm like, I feel I, every move I make as a parent, I'm always, I'm always like, is this going to, is this going to land my kids on the couch one day? I have to like talk to a therapist about how I was <laughs> as a parent. Right. And I think yeah. to a degree, like, it's just, it's just always, you know, every kid is going to have something that their parents do that they're like, Oh my gosh, this thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I just, I just also try to be really transparent with my kids and talk to them in ways that I think, you know, I just give them credit, right, for how they are and and give them credit for being thinkers. I know for me, mm-hmm. one of the big things that I struggle with was when all of the Black Lives Matter protests were going on. We're, we live a couple of miles mm-hmm. from the White House, so it was just like right in, you know, we were right in the thick of things. Oh, right and there in it, yeah. My daughter was asking questions about it, and I and I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, how do I explain this topic in an age-appropriate way? And then I realized to myself, I'm like, you know, I just need to tell her how I'm feeling about this. Like, I need to show her mm-hmm. that it's okay to be, like, scared or worried and, you know, kind of just explain to her, like, hey, this is what's happening. Like, this is why I'm reacting this way or whatever. And I think when we try to be vulnerable with our kids and explain to them some of the challenges that we're going through – it models behavior for them like, oh, you know, this is okay to talk about this sort of thing. Mm, okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. I like that. that that's a good perspective um, from you because, yeah, because I can imagine how living 
in the think of where Black Lives Matter is going on, I can imagine that mm-hmm. that level of stress and stuff going on. So that's a good perspective um, to receive from you, Hera. Um, what I want to do now um, for our listeners, I'm going to step back here so you can kind of give everyone information for, of yourself and your endeavors that you have. Um, I've already been on her Instagram page, guys. She has a lot of information. I'm looking forward to um, what she's going to get for you guys to be able to support her. So floor is yours, Hera. All right, awesome. Well, you can follow me on on uh, on Instagram at Hera McLeod or also Facebook, but I will say I also have a platform for Single Mothers by Choice. I know we didn't get into talking about this, but it's called Mocha SMC, and it's specifically for black single mothers by choice. We have a podcast okay. called um, the Mocha SMC Podcast, the Mocha Single Mother by okay. Single Mothers by Choice Podcast, and you can find information about what it is to be a single mother by choice. We also talk about empowering women to make good relationship decisions and also take control of their fertility. So anybody who's interested awesome. in that topic or perhaps is tired of dealing with ratchet relationships and wants to figure <laughs> out what, what to do about having kids, check us out there. Awesome, awesome. Well, guys, you did hear that. Um, matter of fact, Hera, we got to make sure that we have you back on the show. Um, I thought you was going to take up uh, some of the time. You did leave us with a, a couple of minutes, which is completely fine. So, guys, mm-hmm. um, we'll actually ask Hera one more question because normally um, we end up doing okay. up all the time for our guests. <laughs> we'll ask you one more question in regards to okay. it. Um, since you did – you did mention your um, your podcast in regards to um, uh-huh. single mothers. Can you actually get, like expound on that and kind of give your motivation for that uh, for our listeners? Sure. So I'm a big advocate for people taking fertility into their own hands. And so I shared my story about how my son was murdered, uh, which is really tragic. And at the time, a decade ago, I was in no business being in a relationship. And I realized that a lot of times women will – will sort of rush relationships or push relationships far because they want to have kids. And so after my son died, I realized, like, wait a second, I don't actually have to do this with a partner. And I started doing some research and realized that there was such a thing called single mothers by choice, and it means you basically go to a sperm bank and you get a sperm donor and you have kids by yourself. And this does not mean that you think fathers aren't important or don't appreciate men yeah. because I still very much love men and want to be in a in a healthy relationship. But it's basically just saying, hey, I can date and have relationships, but I don't actually have to co-parent with, with someone. And I feel mm-hmm. very strongly about for women, even if they decide not to take this path, I think it's very empowering to know that this is an option. So if they mm-hmm. get to an age where they realize that their fertility clock may be ticking really loudly, you don't actually have to have a traditional situation where you're co-parenting with someone. So uh, oh, awesome. about four years ago, we started Mocha SMC, which was a platform specifically designed to address uh, black women who were considering mm-hmm. this path. And so we have people who are kind of all stages, right? We have people who are just thinking about this, who are just starting to test their fertility. And then we also have people who are actively parenting and whatnot. And our platform is um, is both, you know, an online presence, mochasmc.com, but also the podcast. And uh, it's fun. We talk about, you know, dating while having kids, which is interesting. We talk about uh, mm-hmm. sperm donor choice, which is uh, oddly like internet dating <laughs> in like strange <laughs> ways because you're like 
it's very superficial because you're like looking at pictures, but then, you know, you also have a lot of information that you would not necessarily have from, from a partner, um, which could be fascinating. And, um, yeah, we talk about things like, you know, how to talk to your kids about these hard topics and uh, non-traditional family structure and things like that. And, and we are almost on season three and have about okay. 10,000 downloads. We've only been around for about like eight months or so, which is pretty exciting. Wow, um, that's awesome. But yeah, we are having a lot of fun. And I know there's a lot of people who, you know, there's a lot of like single moms that listen to our show that aren't necessarily single moms by choice, but there's a lot mm-hmm. of topics at the intersection. And um, I know there's a lot of, there's some dudes that listen to our show, which I find very fascinating. <laughs> and it may just be, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're, you know, maybe they're dating a single mom and they want some perspective on how and how to, on how to navigate that. Um, or maybe they're just curious. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a great platform. And I would say I've learned a lot about fertility and medicine and um, we've also just built a really fun community of black women who have frequent girlfriends chats. And I appreciate, I appreciate that a lot. That's awesome. That's awesome, Harris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Can we give Hera a round of applause? It's, it was awesome having you on the show, Hera. Um, and I appreciate the yeah, welcome information you, you have, you've given us. Um, and we will definitely be in touch. We will definitely have you uh, back on the show because yeah. this, this was very therapeutic. This was amazing. Um, for those that were listening, of course, tonight on um, he, She Said What, we were talking about communication and healing from childhood trauma with my guest, Hera, who was amazing. Thank you once again, Hera. All right. Thank you. It was great, great chatting with you. Great meeting you. It was amazing having you on the show. Thank you very much. I just want to remind everybody, of course, you know, at 9.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Bree will be on Instagram on our He Said What um, page with our After After Show. You know, that's every Tuesday and Wednesday um, at 9.05 p.m. Also, I just want to remind everybody that we will still, even though next month is November, we will still be running a promo special on ads and commercials through the month of um, the rest of October and November. As Like I said earlier, if you want to inquire more information, please send your email to info at hesaidwhatnetwork.com. You can also subscribe to our network's YouTube channel by searching He Said What Radio Network. You can also follow us on Instagram at He Said What Network. Also, you can follow me at Newman underscore junior underscore 2.0. Um, you can also go back to the blogtalkradio.com backslash he said what and download the episode in case you missed it. Or you can also go on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, and Apple Music, just to name a few. Also, I just want to remind everybody to tune in for next week's show for He Said What, where we will be talking about lifestyles, women, and accountability. I know that's going to be an amazing topic. Also, I just want to remind everybody, um, don't forget on this Sunday, it's Let's Connect with P's Intuition at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Monday, it's Simply Sports with One Mike, RG, Simple Bree. And uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, sorry. And then on Tuesday, we have He Said What with Simply Bree at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then you know it's your favorite guy on Wednesday, myself, Alan Newman Jr., when we have he said, uh, She Said What on next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Have an amazing weekend. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you for supporting the He Said What radio network. Please be sure to check out the website where you can find more of our shows on sports coverage, music showcases, and entertainment. Are you interested in giveaways? Sign up today to receive special members-only giveaways by visiting www.hesaidwhatnetwork.com now.